Howdy. You're listening to the High Res, Low Res podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Fischel. I'm just going to get straight into it. Uh, <laughs> uh, my guest today is Nicole Rifkin. They're an illustrator who lives in upstate New York. Some of the clients that they've worked with include The Atlantic, Audible, BuzzFeed, The New Yorker, New York Times, um, so many bands. I can, you know, I can just, there are just so many bands that they've worked with. And we talk so much on this podcast about that. Um, other things that we talk about on the pod include uh, growing up with her punk dad and how weird that was and all the little experiences uh, she grew up with, uh, stories about going to punk and hardcore shows and especially <laughs> not going to class uh, just so you can go to a punk show. I can definitely relate to that. Uh, we both talk about our uh, unique journeys on coming to terms with type 2 diabetes and also how we found out about it. Uh, you know, uh, we also talk about uh, the undergrad and grad school life that we have both experienced, uh, including uh, stories of our mentor, uh, Marshall Erisman. Um, we dive into some thoughts on competitions and the Society of Illustrators. Uh, we also talk about the value of editorial work and also like the undervalue uh, that editorial work a lot of times has. Uh, we also talk about Nicole's transition from using Photoshop to Fresco and, and why and how that's actually really helpful for their current working situation and their overall health. Uh, and we also talk about you know, a, a lot of things uh, in, when it comes to our obsessions, including going and watching cooking shows, but never really cooking ever. I mean, I live in New York City, so uh, I like to say that uh, I make a mean takeout. That's really what I kind of get into. Anyway, uh, if you like what you hear today, please uh, like, comment, subscribe, uh, and all the things, uh, especially on Apple Podcasts. Your reviews on the show really helps to really elevate the show, uh, especially because the other day I looked up the show and I was like, what other shows do illustration? And for some reason, our podcast or my podcast uh, doesn't really show up on that. So uh, reviews really help uh, for that. Uh, also, if you have any comments, questions, concerns, or if you have a podcast guest you want to recommend, uh, please email me at goodbadjpeg at gmail.com. That's goodbadjpg at gmail.com. Here's my interview with Nicole Rifkin. Do you really see yourself as like, you know, someone who lives in New York who's just like, I'm from Florida, but I'm also Canadian. And like, is, is that like your whole vibe that you give off or you try to, or is it just not that at all? Like you have no allegiance to any particular state or being that. Oh my God. I'm, I'm so chaotic. I never, <laughs> I've never been like, I'm a Floridian because people be like, have you eaten an alligator? And I'm like, yeah, oh my God. Oh, never mind. I just like, <laughs> um, and like with New York, everyone just tells you straight up, like, you're not a New Yorker. You're not from here. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I think I just kind of float around going, 
I'm Canadian, kind of. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> your your parents are both from Canada, and they yeah. just live. They just live in Florida now, or they do. Yeah, they live in Gainesville. Um, in their house with their cats and my brother. <laughs> um, and they are probably going to retire up north, which is like um, my favorite thing in the whole world that might happen. Um, I've like never lived near a lot of family except for when I was in Winnipeg. Um, yeah. And I would love to have some family near me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they live in any province other than Ontario, I think they'll have like you know, good health insurance. Cause I, I, the, uh, the current like uh conservative majority in on the Ontario government is just like trying to bring in more private health insurance into the, yeah, they're uh, big on that, but like, yeah. <laughs> do have private insurance as well. It's not all. Like, yeah. Um, socialized like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, de- like dental care, right. is something that's private because it's yeah, not part of, forms. yeah, it's, it's, it's silly. It's like, <laughs> come on. It's, not that much more. <laughs> it's really, uh, it's really stuff. I, 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 I yeah. hate it. Um, I, I think they're going to move to New York because my dad's really big on. Shepherd. Oh, yeah. So like, he wants to get down to the city and go, go to the gig or whatever. <laughs> That's really cool. Does your your parents play music? Uh, my dad's just like a really big fan oh. of music. Uh, from mm-hmm. from way back. Uh. As he's like to say. <laughs> yeah. What was your dad? Was your dad more of a punk or is he a hippie or? My dad was a punk and now he's a mod. <laughs> yeah, I think he's a combination thereof, but uh, like he, it was a very interesting childhood. Uh, I had like a Tom Waits phase at like six. <laughs> yes. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what is he building in there was like a banger to me as a child. I was like, Oh hell yeah. It's the best track in the world. It's so funny. And as an adult, I'm like, that's really weird. That is yeah. a really weird thing to be into as a child. Uh, <laughs> He's well, a cookie monster. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it, it's a vibe. I mean, <laughs> if, if there's anything you could have been, Tom Waits is probably like a, like a decent one. It's better than just being like someone who's like obsessed with, I don't know, like anything else. I, I love, I love Barney and Tom Waits. I was a totally normal child. <laughs> two, two things that have a direct connection with <laughs> one another. Um, but, uh, because we like moved down from Canada, um, we were pretty isolated in Florida. Like it was mostly Mm -hmm. just like my family in our house and my dad's like CD collection at the time. Mm -hmm. He collects records now. It's a whole thing. Um, And I think a lot of my like upbringing was formed around music. And I remember being in the car with my dad, he was driving me to school. And at one point he was just like playing Elliot Smith and I, as a kid, I was like, oh, it's so happy, but it's sad. And he's just like, he killed himself. <laughs> I'm like, why? Very, very matter of fact. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Dude, why? And he was just like, he was sad. I was like, people die. <laughs> like, you know, like. <laughs> all right, Nicole, <laughs> let's have the talk- conversation how we are born and we all die. <laughs> mortality for your morning you know like, oh my god uh, he was like driving me to school i remember that uh very vividly 
have fun at school <laughs> and you're just like shit yeah, just like gosh i i'm jewish and i was yeah like there were like maybe two other jewish kids in my school mm-hmm. and like i went to a private school in florida and uh that's not my vibe at all i didn't really fit in very well and i like again was isolated and sort of how i started drawing and mm. <laughs> um yeah the jokes don't really fly there <laughs> no one had seen seinfeld but like that's a shame yeah because <laughs> there's so many like good jokes about so many things i know and like there were no bagels oh that was rough actually like the food part <laughs> i that's that's that sounds like a crime like they don't they, they you just so you just had like rye toast and knows it well it was a lot of the uh the prepackaged bagels from the grocery store yeah, those are always hit and miss. Yeah, and like really bad pizza. I had like no idea there was good pasta and pizza in this world until I moved to Brooklyn at 18. Yeah. So, um you, you also uh you also got into Syracuse, New York. Yeah. Uh, uh the school up there. Um you know, why why did you choose uh, to go to Pratt over Syracuse? Pratt offered me a better scholarship. <laughs> Yeah, but the department at Syracuse is amazing, and I was really excited to go. Mm-hmm. I like paid the deposit to go there, and my parents bought me shirts and stuff. We were like ready to go, and then I got mm-hmm. into Pratt, and I was just like, "All right, that's it. I'm going to Pratt. There's shows there. There's shows in Brooklyn." Yeah, I mean, you know, of course. Yeah. Uh, so, what were some of the um, uh, places you went to shows at uh, when you were in school, like like Death by Audio was probably one yeah, of them. Like and... Bay Stadium. Yeah. Um, gosh, I think like after I was in college, it was like Aviv and Silent Barn. Um, I went to a lot of shows at Webster Hall. Yeah. I, I think I was just on the email list and I was like, oh, the hives? Okay. And uh, got that was the show. I got my feet knocked out underneath me. And mm-hmm. I still didn't fall because it was so crowded. Oh yeah, that happens. It's terrifying. I hate that shit. <laughs> I I don't know how like so many times where I go to like a hardcore show, and I always get like punched in the face, and my glasses go in one direction, and I go in another. <laughs> and it's always like like the kindest, sweetest dudes who look like the most terrifying motherfuckers. Yeah. That like. You're like, oh, hey, here's your glasses. You're like, thanks. <laughs> I, oh, gosh, I was at a show once and I saw a girl get her teeth knocked out in the front row and she refused to leave the show. Mm-hmm. And she was really nice, but she hadn't, like, she I was like, you should go to the hospital. And she was like, yeah, maybe when I sober up. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. And- so I like to stay in the back. I like staying in the back. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, um, the, the, now that I'm like in my mid thirties, I'm just like, I get it. I get why we, I get why the old guys stand in the back. It's chill back like, there. Like, yeah. And like when they, you know, go back to do their encore, you're just like, all right, time to beat the crowd. Yeah. You know, I can uh, hear my bed and it's saying the show five bands is too many bands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Oh God! What was I thinking about? Sorry. 
No, it's okay. We're talking about music and bands in, in, in Brooklyn in our early aughts, in the early oh, 2000s. Yeah. Oh, man, the fun times. Uh, Yeah, I was, I was the worst. I would, like, go to Fest in Gainesville during mm-hmm. college. I would, like, be like, oh, I'm sick. And, like, mm-hmm. go, go down to Florida for Fest for a week and then go back to school. And I would have, like, the flu from going to Fest. And they'd be like, weren't mm. you just sick? And I'm like, still yeah, sick. Still, it's horrible. Um, and then go to more shows. And I have a distinct memory at Pratt. We used to do digital survey when we were juniors where we'd have to do like a presentation in front of all the faculty. And my dumbass self decided to see Titus Andronicus the night before it was my 21st birthday. And I got like, hammered and told like Lemuria that they sounded bad because the PA wasn't right. And everyone was like, that's really mean. And I was like, I don't know what's happening. I just... <laughs> so the next morning I woke up, I was at 9am. That was my, my meeting time. And I was so mm-hmm. hungover and I pretended to be a Muppet at one point in my presentation. It was really rough. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's crazy when you look back at your life and you realize how often you just, slide by <laughs> and you just get away with stuff <laughs> i i've gotten away with so much it's terrible like now i have to be like okay you need to drink a glass of water before you go to bed or you're gonna wake up with like real <laughs> real bad breath <laughs> like, just like, <laughs> yeah i mean you know i uh i have like a whole like going to bed ritual and one of those things is like having a glass of water in the next room ready to go because I don't know. Um, I it's like on 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 the dime, like around two in the morning. I'm always getting up to go to the bathroom because just like I don't know, my body's just like, all right, let's uh, let's do this. You hit twenty seven, and that's just it. That's it. You're, you're awake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I'm in my mid thirties, and like this stuff started kicking in around when I was like thirty two, and I'm uh-huh. like, oh, this sucks. And so now I'm just like. Yeah, and then right before I go to bed again, I just drink a half a glass of water and then go straight back, and I'm I'm good. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I I'm diabetic, and I drink mm-hmm. like an insane amount of water. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's normal to carry around a jug of water with you at all times. I have like a gas right. jug. Yeah, I like. How how did you discover? Um, you were uh, diabetic. Uh, well, uh, I went into the hospital for like my back. I have like a, a severe back problem. I, I deal mm-hmm. with chronic pain all the time because of a car accident I was in in 2020. Um, I talk about it a lot online. So, yeah, also, <laughs> I don't know what to say about it besides it really sucks. So I went to the yeah. hospital because I was in a lot of pain and the the attending physician came up to me and was like, so how do you deal with your diabetes? Oh, that's, that's such bad, like bedside manner. Yeah. I, and I started crying after I was like, what? I have yeah. Diabetes. And he was like, no, you're diabetic. And I'm like, so I, I started crying and I like tried to leave the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would too. Yeah, I was so, just like yeah, this, was, this asshole just is like, how you deal with this? Tell us all. Like, as if you knew. Yeah. Like, I was like, I just found out. I don't deal with it. And they kept trying to give me insulin. And I was like, I'm not on insulin. I'm not on anything. I'm still not. 
on that phone. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's that's it. But, like, yeah, I don't know what happened. I just, one day I went to the doctor and I had, I had diabetes the next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I have a similar story when I found out that I was type 2 diabetes where I, you know, for years I've always uh, got, like, kind of dizzy. Like, I'd be, like, walking or I'd get up in the morning or I'm, like, in bed or... Um, you know, I'm just kind of doing whatever. And then I'm just kind of like dizzy for like a second or two and I don't like fall or faint or anything. And I just like, my head has always felt weird. And so, you know, uh, because of like my union health insurance I had, I'm like, Oh, well I have this, you know, I'm going to go do it. And what better time to do that than in the summer of 2020, when, you know, there's a crazy virus going around, you know, killing people there's protests on the streets, you know? And so I go to, um, you know, my, my primary care physician and be like, surprise, you're now my primary care physician. (laughs) I never go to the doctor (laughs) until now. Um, and so, uh, you know, I went in and I got a bunch of, uh, blood work done and, and everything. And they're like coming for a follow-up and I'm like, all right. And, you know, uh, I think I, instead of going in, I think I did like a video call instead. And, um, you know, they broke the news and they're like, you know, so we, we have your test results here and we found out that you are, uh, we possibly diabetic and you need to go see another doctor for them to do more blood work and to blah, 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 blah. And like, I was in denial. I was like, no way. Like, you know, I'm, eat healthier than my family. I like, you know, I walk around all the time, you know, I, I, I'm active. And so, you know, I go and I, I think it's a endocrinologist is like the, the term for it. Uh, yeah. the, the person who does all that. And so I went in there and he is literally like straight up the no, most no nonsense doctor. No, like, like joking around. Just like, yeah, you have this, you need to lose weight. I'm like, whoa, yeah, buddy. I'm just trying to like process all this and the world, like right now, and uh, yeah. So um, we've uh, you know changed a couple of different medications. Now I'm on Sinjardi. I'm on this like hardcore dose of it, and uh, yeah, it's it's just been a journey. Uh, and like they're like, Oh, like you need to like eat a Mediterranean diet. I'm like, I basically, I'm already eating a Mediterranean diet. Like yeah, all I eat is like vegetables and fish. Like I don't like, I don't eat like any other meat in my life. So I, yeah, I, it, it's been a journey. I don't even like eat that much. I think that's part of the problem. I, uh, I just get so busy that I forget. And then, um, my husband will come home and he'll be like, well, you're in a really bad mood. And, uh, it's because I haven't eaten. Um, <laughs> but I, I just remember when I got diagnosed, I was just really, really angry. Um, yeah. I was angry at myself. I was angry at the doctor. <laughs> I was angry at mm-hmm. my cats. I was angry at the pandemic. I was, I, it took me a long time to own up to the fact that like I needed to change my lifestyle in order to continue yeah. living. Like, mm-hmm. not be as thirsty as I was all the time. I, and I don't mean that in a funny way. I mean, I literally was just, like, parched at all times. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I've noticed that, like, ever since I started taking uh, diabetes medication, that I just straight up drink 
water all the time. I mean, you know, I I literally had I just almost finished like one glass of water and I have another glass of water like on yeah. deck right now. I'm going to finish that by the time this interview's over. That rules. I'm like I'm right there. I have like a, a just a completely unflavored seltzer because I'm a psychopath and a glass of water ready. I am here for, for it. L- look, uh unflavored seltzer it's it's probably like a pretty underrated drink in my opinion cuz sometimes you want to have a little fun in your mouth whenever you're drinking water. You don't want to just have something that's like, mm, water. Uh, I start, I bought uh, Mio, which is probably not good for me. Like, eh. it, It's like just adding some flavor. I don't know if there's artificial sugar. So it's probably not good for me. But sometimes I'll be like, mm, I want a little treat, you know, with my water at the end of the day. Just squirt some Mio in it. And- I know that. that. But, like, I'm always, like, if I break my diet or whatever, I'm like, I'm going to have a soda. I yeah. want a fucking soda. Like it, it's not candy. It's not, you know, <laughs> potato. Yeah, I, I've, 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 uh, I've basically pivoted to, uh, because I've I basically, um, I don't drink soda that much or that often. But when I do, I've been going for like the zero sugar. Yeah, pretty one. good. Yeah. yeah, it's very similar to like the regular sugar ones. Most of them. Um, the Mountain Dew one is so crazy similar. I haven't tried. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, like, look, sometimes I'm, I, I just get wild eyed and when I'm in the deli or the bodega and I'm just like, what do I want? <laughs> and I'm like, Ooh, they have this. Oh, I haven't had that in so long. I'm going to have a Mountain Dew zero sugar, uh, and do that. Or I'll, or I'll just be like, screw it. Uh, I'm just going to like screw up my like sugar levels and get a code red and just pretend I'm a gamer or something. <laughs> and then I, I, do you like catatonic? Cause like I, I straight up have to nap after I eat too much sugar, or drink too much sugar. Uh, no, I think it's, I just like, um, if I, uh, decide to have a lot of sugar, I just try to do something that's active. Uh, I- like I'll like go for a very long walk or something like that, so that like it's just not sitting in me bubbling. That's know? smart because I just get real sweaty. Like yeah. oh, I feel a nap coming on. I threw <laughs> up a deadline or something because I drank a soda. But you know it's <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah hundred percent. So let's get back on track. You um you ended up going to Pratt. Uh uh. What was your overall experience like going to Pratt? Because I know that it's like a slightly different school than it was uh, when you graduated. Yeah, it is. Uh, the school that I went to probably uh, does, like the program I went to, communications design, doesn't exist as it used to. Um, I really, I don't, I don't think the word is resent that, but I am deeply unhappy with Pratt for changing the program because it was so wonderful. Um, it really taught you how to create a visual language for graphic mm-hmm. design, photography, you know, uh, they made us do a sculpture class. Like, you know, it, um, everyone had this like Bauhaus foundation of understanding of art. And I don't know if that's as expressed in the illustration department as it is supposed to be anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was just a really intense experience. I almost dropped out. Like, I didn't think I was going to make it an illustration. And I, you know, 
it was just a really hard environment. It was very, very, very difficult for me. And, um, and then I became a junior and I kind of like did a triptych for a class for Kenichi Hoshine. And mm-hmm. he was probably one of the biggest influences on me, like, and still is, um, him and his dog Cooper. <laughs> um, because he just told me like, do what you want to do, like make something you want to make and just go for it. And I drew with black paint on a colored background. I, I mm-hmm. didn't try and make it painterly. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is my thing. This is my thing. I found my thing. And I was a junior in college and I was just like, okay. And that summer I worked in a print lab and taught myself how to draw in Photoshop. Um, and I still like use computers like uh, the one of the monkeys from 2001 um, <laughs> because I taught myself and uh, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty bleak. Um, I was told in school a lot that um, digital illustration wasn't as good as uh, uh, traditional and it gave me kind of a complex. So I was like, okay, yeah. I'm going to prove them wrong. <laughs> I mean, I, I had a somewhat similar experience in undergrad. I think that, um, um, you know, there was a lot of um, people that tried to hold on to the history of the department that is, I went to UArts in Philly, that like was rooted in a foundational understanding of like the early 20th century golden age of illustration and uh, that incorporating also the Brandywine school of, uh, you know, painting and drawing, which, you know, Andrew Wyeth was a big part yeah. of and, um, that whole thing. And we had like some like really experienced, uh, fantastic painters who did acrylic paint, oil paint, like Tom Leonard and, uh, Tim O'Brien, uh, who like, you know, up until like a couple of years ago was still teaching at uarts and also at pratt as well yeah, and uh yeah do, do you take it no class? i didn't i stalked it i i would walk by the classroom and just peek in mm-hmm. and be like that's tim o'brien <laughs> yeah i you know he's uh i've never taken tim's class he's such a wonderful guy he's uh come to my class to do like a painting demo and he's also like i've like ran into him into the hallway and i've like grabbed him i'm like give me advice <laughs> you know? and and that's about, about as far as I, I go with uh with tim but he's such a swell he's person. a really nice guy um, he has like some family mm-hmm. from gainesville too and that was that was cool figuring that out um and his 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 son's really nice cassie is uh, mm-hmm. but uh i know him a little bit uh through just going to society of illustrative stuff yeah um, I haven't been in like five years yeah. and I like missed my own medal ceremony twice. I mean, I'm, you, you've had reasons, I, have, I have <laughs> had reasons, but I feel really bad about it. Cause it's like the, the, one of the, like, again, like just coolest things in my entire life was winning a gold and a silver medal from society. And, just being like 
um, when I went to Pratt, I never got in. I never got into the student competitions. And mm-hmm. uh, I got in after I graduated for student work. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really, 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 like, felt like I was defeated uh, by right. the time I graduated because I had never gotten anything into the competitions, American Illustration or otherwise, you know. And then I got in and... Uh, it just started happening, but, uh, I don't know. Uh, they're so nice there. Like I've judged there. Everyone's really cool. And the, I got my hair stuck in a skeleton uh, at one point. Um, it was kind of weird. At society, everyone's nice. And American illustration too. Mark is like one of the nicest dudes in the world. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, so, um, I'm a member of the Society of Illustrators. I I I'm always kind of like scratch. I'm scratch my head a little bit every time I uh, the discourse around you know Society of Illustrators comes around and competitions in general. Um, what's your thoughts and feedback on the Society of Illustrators and competitions in general? Because my my understanding is is that they're a nonprofit that has done a lot for the education for young people, people in prisons, they go teach workshops and stuff. Um, you know, and you know, overall they just kind of, they're not really as important, but it's, it's nice. Like what's your thoughts on the whole institution and competitions in general? I'm, I'm a big fan of society of illustrators. I, I think they do a lot for our community and like they actually foster a community, which uh, some other like disciplines of art don't have. And yeah. it makes me feel more connected to people. And I think that their their give back fund uh, that they've started is like a really, really great first baby step on like getting on the road to success and appeasing people. Um, the problem is, is that the submission fees are become like really bloated if you want to submit mm-hmm. enough work to actually get in. Um like you have to, it's a crapshoot, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that maybe like one, one flat fee, like, and you can submit X amount instead of just doing it by category or something. But like, Mm -hmm. I just think it's a little bit wrong to charge people who aren't getting work like published to be in a competition Mm -hmm. to get work published. It feels a little weird. But yeah. um, at the same time, I've really benefited from it. So I, I don't know. Can you? Can, I mean, can you talk a little bit about how you benefit from it? Because I, you know, I got into the the student show twice. Uh, you know, nothing to brag about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you know, you you said you didn't get into it. I got in twice. I didn't get any money or anything from you know checks or anything like that. And, uh, it, and then I'm like, and I got in, I, th- I remember my senior year of high school, I got into Society of Illustrators student show. I got into three by three magazine and I got into American illustration. And I'm like, that's it. That's it, baby. I'm, I'm ready. I'm going to make it, you know, and all that. And then like, I think, uh, that my first year as an illustrator, I only made like 500 yeah. bucks, yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, uh, I entered then everything for like, well, mo- some things, uh, I, um, mostly Society of Illustrators and American Illustration, uh, e- almost every year, 
uh, Society of Oya Intern every year, but American Illustration, it's basically if I have the money. And uh, basically, I hadn't got started getting into Society of Illustrators uh, until like, I think, five or six years ago. <laughs> I've been working for 13, 14 years now as an illustrator. Uh, see. And... Yeah, and the two time the two out of three times that I've uh, actually gotten into the show, um, I've actually uh, gotten work that has paid me, you know, five figures, like like over time, over like a two three year period, and so uh, whenever I see or hear stories of people being like, oh, like I've entered, I've won medals, but I haven't gotten any work from it, I'm always like, that's. It, it it really is like a, you know, hit and miss when it comes to yeah. these things. Also, you know, like that phrase that's thrown around, th- thrown, thrown around at us a lot where like art isn't created in a vacuum. Your reputation yep. as an illustrator isn't created in one either. Like you, everything that you do, you submit to like creates your career. Like, and for me, like a big tipping point of like when I started to really like come into my own as an illustrator was when I won a medal. And Mm -hmm. I think it just gave me the confidence to be like, okay, this is who I am. This is the work I make. I'm depressing. It's fine. People like it. They vibe with it. (laughs) You know, like, um, because before then I, I had a lot of like mentor like type relationships in undergrad where like with Kenichi Hoshine, with Jordan Nisip and, uh, Chang Park, where they all like really pushed me to be better and to want more for myself um, as an illustrator and as a human being, I think. Um, but they also mm-hmm. were like, Hey, sleep's optional. Uh, so like, um, <laughs> which I still do, which is bad and no one should do that. But, yeah. um, when I got recognized in 2020 for my work, uh, after I, I was in a car accident and had to have emergency back surgery in Florida, um, I was stuck there for six weeks, um, to recover at my parents' house, um, away from my husband who was in Jersey city at the time and the pandemic was happening. And I was like, the only way I know how to like communicate how I'm feeling is to make a body of work. And so Mm. I, I did studies. I did, you know, regular ass illustrations (laughs) and I just wanted to get better at drawing. And, uh, I won a gold medal for an uncommissioned series. Um, yeah. and that just gave me the, a little bit of hope that I needed that year that was so like, that year was so abysmal. Um, yeah. and illustration has always felt like a life raft to me when I'm not feeling good. I just start drawing and I feel better immediately. And yeah. I know I, I talk a lot of shit and I, I, and I still think that society should lower <laughs> their rates, but they've done so much for me. I'll always be yeah. grateful. I, yeah, they do so much good um, beyond just making an annual. And I really appreciate them for everything that yeah, they do. I have a lot it's of great. love for them. I also understand people's anger towards them when it comes to competitions and feeling like they're not getting in or being recognized. Because like, I've totally felt it. Mm-hmm. I know that feeling. I know that feeling of not yeah. feeling like like you're part of it. And right. Yeah. Uh, 
so, something that most people don't know, and now that it's been announced, I, I can talk a little bit about it, but I was actually consulted on uh, the Give oh, Back cool. Fund. Um, yeah, they asked me if it was a good idea, like how to start it, you know, not how to start it, but like, you know, parameters and stuff like that. And I gave them my honest feedback and a lot of it they did. And they also, uh, there's another initiative too, um, which is if you're a member of the Society of Illustrators, they wanted to expand their community aspect. So now there's like a bulletin board that you can like post on. Um, cool. on there and just other yeah it's they're like making small steps to making the membership more than just uh a, a way of saying thanks for sustaining like this educational platform uh and just you know a, a tax write-off yeah you know <laughs> they're just trying to do a little bit more but the, uh, the tax great. write-off is pretty sick though <laughs> yeah um uh hopefully they're not listening but um I'm like beyond the age bracket for still being an SI member. So I'm still paying 250 a year instead of the 500 for like the general membership. So I'm like, I'm still a member, but I'm still paying at a discount, which yeah, is pretty well, sick. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. I'm not a member. Yeah. Uh, I can't yeah. afford it. <laughs> you know, what's funny is like, I, um, I, you know, there's, there's some years where I'm just like, you know, I pay like, like with the membership discount, I pay like 300 bucks when I enter in like a ton of work in Society of Illustrators. But then I'm like, ah, then I have another 250 to get that discount. And I could just maybe pay just 400 to enter in stuff. And it, yeah. you know, I'd be paying less a year. But I mean, being a member of Society, I think, is a good thing. And I, I should, I feel yeah. a little guilty about not being a member. <laughs> I don't think you should feel guilty because, you know, that's just one less thing you're, you're paying. Yeah, I mean, year. like, with AI and uh, 3 by 3 and everything, mm -hmm. it really adds up after a while. And, yeah. like, mm -hmm. we make, you know, really shitty money, like, compared to other yeah. people who, like, work the same hours as we do. And, mm -hmm. like, all I want in the world is to is for everyone to be compensated adequately for the work they put in into their job and yeah it's just not happening and yeah those extra fees are yeah i'm yeah i mean that's that's another thing too that has been talked about widely and especially you know as uh things like you know quiet quitting and, and rage quitting and all the different types of quitting happen uh, it's kind of like coming to our industry a little bit where people are like, well, we can't legally organize to, you know, ask for raises and stuff, but there has to be something we can do. And so there's been a lot of discussion about, um, you know, the evil villain that we all say is, which is the New York Times and how they, you know, basically still pay $150 for that little sketchbook illustration that's like that's so small in the printed paper and, uh, you know, the op-ed during the week is, I think, like 300 bucks, but I think it's a little bit more if you do it's a Sunday edition. Yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing that I tell people is, is like, if I do an op-ed for the LA Times, 500 bucks. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if it's during the week or the weekend. Uh, if I do an, uh, a, an opinion piece for Washington Post, uh, recently I started getting 800 bucks oh, wow. for, for, um, for that. 
So I'm like, literally working for anyone else other than the New York Times pays better. But also, um, the New York Times is like the only time where I did a, a, an illustration for the travel section. Rodrigo? And uh, no, I didn't work for him. I worked uh, for someone else. Um, he, he actually unsubscribed <laughs> from my newsletter. Oh, <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna, uh, probably send him one-to-one emails and be like, yo, what's up? Uh, but anyway, um, uh, I ended up getting a job from Apple, uh, because, uh, I had a piece in, in, in the New York times. So it's always the question of like, you know, are you really going to get a return on your investment by doing a 300 or $500 job from the New York times or, you know, whatever. I think absolutely. I don't know. It's, it's tough. like. I, I, I just did like uh, in November I did an op-ed for the New York Times I, I got I got 500 for it and um, I worked for uh, a really really nice art director I'm yeah he was so so nice and he was just like I feel bad even asking but you would be perfect for this mm-hmm. and I read the piece and it was about like price gouging in prisons for the commissary. And I was like, yeah, this is something that I really do want to communicate that I think it's wrong to to overcharge mm-hmm. prisoners who are working for pennies, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I'll, I'll, I will do jobs that pay less if they like align with my like sensibilities, but I also will do New York times jobs that pay less because it's the New York times. Uh, but yeah. Sometimes they ask you for so much and pay so little that it's not worth it. And it just it's a matter of like the time you put into it that costs money as opposed to like the actual labor. Right. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird when you get to that point. Mhm. Yeah, I just feel like, you know, um one illustration I'll do for like one place, I'll like get it done in like 3 hours cause I'm fast. And then another place, you know, I'll do something else and it takes me like eight hours and it's just always mind blowing when like I do something for one place, then I do it for another and it just pays so much differently. Um, I don't know. Or like, so yeah, little. it's like, uh, the bane <laughs> of my existence. <laughs> cause it's mm-hmm. like, uh, I just did a cover for a magazine that paid me twelve fifty, um, but yeah. I so I was mm-hmm. like, yeah. For reference, the New Yorker pays five grand for a cover, and mm-hmm. your magazine is ten by fourteen. It's huge, like and like, yeah. And he, and I was like, but I'll do it for you because you're the coolest motherfuckers I've ever met in my life, and I really cover. Yeah, and I know that I get to do whatever I want. And, like, yeah, that's a part of it. Um, I think that my favorite example of, like, how little work gets big money is the... I did the Titus Andronicus album last year, The Will to Live. Um, it was a triple gatefold. Um, it was a triptych. And it took... Yeah, I, I saw those. Like they, they were amazing, by the way. To do those things. Um, and Patrick Stickles is an amazing art director. Like, hands down, one of my favorite people to work for ever. And um, I hope I get to work with him again in the future because he wrote me, like, a novel and an email. And I was just like, this is perfect. This is awesome. This is the coolest thing ever. And the album was good. And I was so happy. 
and I gave him the art as a wedding gift. Thank oh you. God, I just, so I don't like charging people in bands a lot because I'm like, I just love you and respect you. And I'm so excited to work with you. I love like everything you do. But then like the week it got released, I got a $15,000 poster job. And I feel like mm-hmm. I'm adequately compensated. Um, so like, yep. you just need to make these like judgments for yourself. Like, are you into it? That's the work that gets work. Mm-hmm. It's not like Joe. It's the New York Times. It's just like this is the best album I've heard in all year. I'm gonna do the cover. Yeah, hell yeah. Right. I, you know, we both went to SVA's MFA Illustration as a Visual Essay program, and something that and that kind of relates to something that Marshall Ersman said, which is, you know, sometimes you get an assignment, and you know. You want to do it because, you know, it, there's money to it. But then there are assignments where, you know, the money's not great, but the assignment is so good that it doesn't matter that it pays, like, pennies. Like, you just take it because, um, you know, it's just going to show and shine so much in the work that, um, you know, you, you can just, you know, go off and uh, promote it and people are just going to love it because it yeah. really shows your full heart. Marshall was always right. Like, in, in, in a, mm-hmm. like, weirdly. Like, <laughs> um, I, um, what, uh, so you, uh, between Pratt and SVA, you spent like a year in Florida? Well, yeah, what, what was, uh, you know, uh, why did you go back to Florida? Uh, I, I got broken up with and I didn't take it well. And I was like, this, I'm going to move back to Florida and go to shows. And I, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. a, a tale as old as time. I, I, I keep making decisions on the bands I get to see. So like, that's, I need to work on that, but uh, <laughs> that's what your thirties are about. Right. It's not decisions based off of mm-hmm. tour schedules. Um, Anytime I've like thought about leaving the New York City area, I'm always like, well, where would I go? Like, I have a, I have a, I have a, one of my best friends lives in Kansas City. Um, and some shows and some like big events happen there, like sports and wrestling and all that. Uh, but you know, it's a short drive from Lawrence, Kansas, which also has like some really incredible bands kind of popping in there because it's like a college town. So I'm like, ah, I could probably do that, but I, like, uh, I don't know if, like, this point in my time in my life I want to live in Kansas or I live in uh, Missouri. Uh, so I'm just, like, I'm I'm here in Brooklyn until I can I, no longer afford to. I get that. I totally get that. I um I have, like, a really bad anxiety disorder where, like, walking around Brooklyn yeah. is a nightmare. <laughs> so I'm, like, everyone's looking at okay. me because I'm, like, seven feet tall. And first of all, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. But, like, also it doesn't matter. But I can't think that way in the moment. <sighs> when I went to Pratt, I I got diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. And I was like, oh, wow, that makes sense. You know, <laughs> that really helps. It's helpful. It's mm-hmm. helpful knowing mm-hmm. more about yourself and having more coping tools, like, to, like, just live your life and feel good about it. And I think because illustration is art it's such a part of your life you know for me it's like a huge part of my identity so like if i'm feeling bad about myself yeah i'm feeling worse about my drawings like uh, i was like oh those lines are garbage and my 
like friends would be like, no, it's fine. What are you talking about? And I'm just like, oh, they're gummy. And they're like, no, what? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and having that in control makes me feel better. So like not living in Brooklyn anymore has been like one of the best things ever for my anxiety. I'm just like, I wake up, I make coffee, I yeah. eat breakfast like a normal person, feed the cats and they love it. Oh mm-hmm. my God. They love being fed. It's like, you know, their favorite thing. <laughs> And um, I just feel more like structured, whereas in Brooklyn, I was just right. <laughs> I was going to shows and staying out all night and just like coming home at 6 a.m. and starting to work again. It was so much fun, but it yeah. was also yeah. really, really bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've both shed a few years off of our lives uh, being very chaotic in that way. I, I feel like I'm, I'm going to less shows now uh, and I'm just kind of like really putting my money down on shows that I really want to see. Uh, but I don't know. I'm just not trying to go out and seeing every show that I have like a slight interest into. Yeah, anymore. I get that. Uh, um, so what, what had you interested in going to I grad school anyway? I was working, you know, I was mostly working for the New Yorker at the time for, uh, Deanna and like she rules, yeah. uh, She's like one of my favorite art directors, so I have to like shout her out a little bit. But um, I was doing a lot of portraiture and a lot of military stuff. And for like, I Mm -hmm. I personally, I don't like drawing guns and stuff. I I just, one just got published today that I really love, but like, (laughs) um, but I was like, (laughs) I'm not doing my job the way I want to. I need to get like, I need to become more like, aware of my peers aware of narrative and like be more objective about work and like mm-hmm. that totally happened at SBA. um yeah Marshall <laughs> would, would yeah would you recommend uh grad school to anyone that is interested in it or is it really more of a personal choice I think it depends on the person I really and I think it's Mm-hmm. It's uh, to a degree a matter of privilege, and uh, I don't think mm-hmm. everyone needs to go to grad school. I don't even think everyone needs to go to undergrad to be a good artist. Um, I think like you can mm-hmm. learn a lot on YouTube, but I would recommend the graduate program that we went to to like literally any illustrator. Um, Want to be good at telling a story? Mm-hmm. That's the place to go. But like. If you, yeah, if you want to tell your own stories and you want to tell other people's stories, yeah, absolutely. But like, if you're in it for the fine arts aspect, you don't need to go there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so your years after um, SVA, like, um, how how was uh, like crazy? Post-grad? Like working so much. Yeah. Um. It was weird. <laughs> like when I when I got into the program, I felt like a fucking hotshot. Like I'm working for the New Yorker. Yeah. I'm doing it. You know, I, I had my work on the cork board in the hallway, and I was like, hell yeah, that's me. Um, yeah. What happened was is through grad school, I like realized that there are so many other people that are so much better than I am at all times. That rules because you get to see other mm-hmm. people's work and like see how they work and just be like, 
I want to work well. I don't want to, not that you want to be better than someone, but like, you just want to like make the work Mm -hmm. that like makes you feel really good about it when it's done, you know? And I was working so much, but after every job, I felt that feeling where I was like, oh my God, that was awesome. That was such a cool collaboration where I hadn't felt that before. And Mm -hmm. I think like that was a, not only did I get older, I was like 23 at the time when I went to grad school. Um, I think. <laughs> and uh, when I graduated, mm-hmm. I just, I needed to like grow the f- up a little bit. And I think it kind of like, you know, fac- like facilitated that process a little bit. There, there were people there like Marshall that were like, mm-hmm. no, I think you need to draw more. Like, talking you know and i was like okay (laughs) (laughs) and that was really good advice marshall's really good about giving the same advice to three different people in three different ways and to me like how he tells it to me makes sense but how he told it to other people made no sense and it came to the same conclusions It it was really amazing he was a really good way of um you know, really distilling it down and making it accessible yeah, to people I, uh, right away. He really was pretty, like, magical. Weird way. He was like a wizard of illustration. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it just... The way that, like, words and also, like, line work flowed out of him was just, like... It was amazing to watch. Um, and to feel like mm-hmm. you were a part of that. Like, his his, like spear for a while like was just such an honor to know Mm -hmm. him yeah yeah (sighs) him and carl yeah yeah the the fact that they passed like several months apart is yeah it's really hard it was really devastating to me yeah but i mean I, I knew someday it was going to happen. Yeah, it's just it's now just, we're, we're here. I don't know. They, uh, sorry. That's okay. I am not very good at keeping friendships, <laughs> but, um, mm-hmm. people like professors like Carl and Marshall just like impacted my life in such a positive way without wanting anything in return. And you don't get that a lot from professors. Because, <laughs> like, I've taught. And no. I'm like, first of all, I, like, uh, herniated two discs in the middle of teaching. And I, like, had to teach from home. <laughs> and my students hated it. And uh, so I felt really bad for them. And it was like, you all get really good grades. Because <laughs> you tried so hard. Uh, <laughs> but, like, I wasn't selfless. Marshall and Carl kind of were. And, um, yeah, they kind of feel like parents in a weird way. <laughs> yeah. They both felt like, you know, granddad yeah. that, you know, I never really had. And that was such a well, special I'm going to tell you this because it cheers me up. But I, uh, at the time I was into like Snapchat was kind of big and I had the face swap feature mm-hmm. and they let me swap their faces <laughs> and it, my like most prized <laughs> possessions in the whole world. I'll send it to you. But like, 
their oh, their that. senses of humor and this like their they're just they loved being alive and you could see it in their work mm-hmm. and it was so cool <laughs> yeah yeah so from grad school um you you retained so much um it seems like a weird transition but um how has your work evolved from grad school where you were doing these uh illustrations that were kind of steeped in 1950s nostalgia, 60s nostalgia, kind of madman era and mystery uh, to now you're working uh, uh, using a lot of illustrations that play around with uh, multiplying panels and um, like it feels almost animatic, but in so a very like, still way. Um, when I was doing those 50s and 60s style illustrations, I was definitely working on like, like hardcore from reference. And, like, I still do, but mm-hmm. um, my intent with those drawings was, like, that feeling of mystery, that feeling of longing, like, was to, like, extract a vibe <laughs> and, like, mm-hmm. make people feel it. And so I was right. all, like, impulsive emotional illustrations where it's like, oh, it's kind of depressing. Um, and people loved it. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm depressed, too. And I'm like, cool, dude. Like, (laughs) yeah. Um, But, like, I remember I was working on a project called Shit Junior with my friend Dave. Um, (laughs) And uh, we were doing collaborative pieces together because we both went to the graduate program together. And I was like, how am I going to put my work with Dave's? And Dave is a phenomenal, like, letterer. And, like, just, like, a fun illustrator. And I'm, like, really not a fun illustrator. I'm, like, the least fun illustrator in the whole world. I'm just, like, you want some hair? You got it. (laughs) But I was, like, (laughs) what if, like, a comic, I could put a narrative into the story without, you know, making it multiple pages? So what came from that was that kind of... I feel like it's a little bit like trippy, like a little psychedelic uh, with the repetition and stuff. Cause I want people to feel the motion mm-hmm. in like in the work as well as the emotion. <laughs> and it's like, I sound like an idiot talking about it because it's very like, it makes sense to me when I'm doing the sketch. Like, oh, okay, this is what this means. This is what mm-hmm. that means. Every piece of the illustration has, like, a purpose. And, like, where it is, it also has a purpose. Not just, like, oh, I just don't want to draw feet today. It's, like, I have to make yeah. up stories in my head when I'm doing an illustration. Like, I've, every single person I draw, I'm just, like, I wonder how they're feeling about this. Like, I wonder, like, you know, if this bothers them or that bothers them. Or, you know, if they do this or that. Or do they drink coffee, too? You know? And... Like, it's fun. You start to, like, you know, project yourself on these people, and that's how you get emotion in there. And when you're doing multiple panels of stuff, you can really have, like, that conflict of emotion where it's just, like, you're happy, but you're also a little sad. Or you're angry, but you're also a little turned on or whatever. (laughs) And it's that, like, (laughs) duplicity of emotion where you're, like, oh, okay, I can feel multiple ways at one time, you know? 
And like, it's, that's totally fine Mm. and normal. (laughs) Um, I think that's a really difficult Mm -hmm. thing to illustrate in one single image. Um, People who can do it are really, really talented. (laughs) And maybe I'm just not, but I Mm -hmm. like, I like making things look weird. And um, I've always loved comics. So it was, it felt like a natural progression to, to like put that into my editorial work. Right. I, I've always been someone who absolutely loves comics and graphic novels, but uh, every time I've tried, I've always so yeah. frustrated by how long it takes. Yeah. So I just never got into it. Uh, I'm always into just making a single image and everything. Um, I always reflect whenever I see your work, um, I put you in the list of like people in my head of people who are doing God tier level like illustration who like where it looks like it took you forever, but it probably took you just a few hours to like make that illustration. Like you and Deb Lee are like two Deb, people. No, I'm Deb's just, like, the goat. I'm sorry. Deb is the goat. Um, yeah. Like she and uh, Zoe, uh, two of the most amazing, most talented mm-hmm. illustrators in the whole world. I just... Um, yeah, it's like mind blowing to see Deb's work out there and just be like, oh, oh, I have to draw now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If I ever wanted to feel depleted before I start, I just like be like, oh, what do you post today on Instagram? (laughs) Like, Oh, well, uh, gotta just, you know, do my little like no background, you know, conceptual like thing in the middle thing <laughs> here and I'll be done in three hours and but turn I in my I'm invoice for five hundred dollars and like five times in a row and you know just uh yeah. <laughs> but I I used to be really quick. I used to be such a fast illustrator. And right. now that I, I'm thirty one and I'm like oh man, uh a nap sounds great. <laughs> right. I, I recently did a, like a children's book and it, it hasn't published yet. It hasn't really been announced yet. Uh, well, probably by the time this recording comes out, it, it will have. Um, probably, yeah, it's not by a, like a traditional publisher. I think it's, it's, it's something for the state of New York and like it's going to be something that's going to be given to kids at various elementary schools throughout the state. Um, and like, I remember thinking like, oh, I can do like, you know, like three, pay, three spreads a day. And then it ended up me being like, Oh, I need like yeah. a day to do like one. And even though like, or, or, but like some of the more simple ones I was able to knock out in like half a day, uh, like one spread. But then others, I was just like, I need a full day, which is kind of nuts because I, before that I'm like, Oh, I just knock out editorial pieces in like three to five hours, eight hours. If it's like super detailed, and it has like multiple figures in it. Um, so yeah, I, it's always funny, uh, to see like how, um, you know, you kind of start to see like, Oh, like what I thought it would take. And now, now what it takes now, it's just, it's totally yeah, it different. It is my as your work nightmare when she's like, how long do you think it's going to take? Um, it could be a day to three years. I have no idea. Like this <laughs> I have been working on one poster for a year because it was a private commission and yeah. it is just a lot of hair. It's just it's much hair. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is like 
18 by 24 hair. It's, it's, it's tedious. It's yeah. really hard work. And so my agent would be like, yeah, how long do you think this will take? Like Tuesday? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And then Tuesday morning comes around. I got like a hand done. Like, it's just like, I just yeah. work slower now. And I think that's what happens when you like both take on more work. Also get a little bit better at what mm-hmm. you do. And I thought it a little bit more. I, I think when I was younger, mm-hmm. I was flying through illustrations and now I'm like, okay, how does this work compositionally? Does this, is this balanced? I, I never, that never would have occurred to me as a, t- <laughs> right. And like, uh, now you're, you basically work entirely on an iPad. Like yeah. you don't even work on a computer at all. Like, what, what, uh, when did that transition happen and what was the kind of like learning curve? Well, um, my laptop had <laughs> like 2019 and I got a new one, but I, by the time I got the new mm-hmm. one, I was, I was just drawing completely on the iPad from sketch to final. Um, and I work in Adobe Fresco. So, like, the workflow is pretty great because I go from Fresco to, like, Photoshop to InDesign, whatever needs to be done. It can be done on the iPad. And I am pretty nearsighted, so I hold the Mm -hmm. iPad really close to my face. I know it's but, like, I, yeah, it's right there. And and then I watch TV and I'm drawing. It's great. I love it. Especially since my back injury, I've been able to Mm -hmm. actually draw for hours and not be in pain because I can <laughs> I have like a orthopedic wedge for my knees and I'll just be like chilling out on the heating pad just drawing for hours and I'm like the happiest clam in the whole world uh, do you like fresco over procreate I am too dumb for procreate I think I keep okay <laughs> messing up I keep I'm actually uh, currently trying to learn it because it looks so much fun but I do like mm-hmm. the brushes in Fresco a lot. Um, yeah. And also, like, just the it, it functions really well at this point. Um, I think their team did a really good job. Mm-hmm. I, um, I uh, have just been trying... I've been also learning how to use Procreate and Adobe Fresco because I'm incorporating... Uh, like collaboration between those programs and the full Adobe suite. And I'm like, listen, when you get out of college, you can just use whatever you want, but it's important to know how to use Photoshop and illustrator and after effects. Uh, and if you want to switch over to affinity or clip studio or whatever, like you can, but knowing the basics of these programs, super important because it easily translates to the other. And I always thought of Procreate and Fresco being similar, but having very different, like thing, like things that make them stronger. Like how you can just hold the line and it just straightens up or turns into a shape. I thought that was like really great in Procreate, but I'm I'm not sure if that exists in it Fresco does at all, or... exist in Fresco. You just have to change it in the settings. Yeah, it, oh, it okay. actually See? is just like Photoshop, which is really nice. Yeah, so, oh, cool. like, if you go into, like, settings on your iPad, go into Fresco, mm-hmm. it, it's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I, like, basically, um, hey, that's another thing, too, is, like, I, 
I know that I can like use Adobe brushes in Procreate and I've just been making dumb drawings. I'm not making like drawings that are like for publication in Procreate at all. And I'm just like, I don't know, like the Adobe brushes aren't great. I bought like, I think like a hundred dollars worth of brushes from various places. I'm not happy with any of the brushes that I have. Have you tried chromograph ones from True Grit? Yeah, I mean, look, I use those on Photoshop. And so now, and I also bought, I've been smart like years ago and just ended up buying both the Procreate and the uh, that too as well. And so now I'm just like, I guess I I gotta just now like uh, open up the, the uh, Fresco app and see if that's any better for me in terms of things. Maybe it's just because I also bought this... Um, you know, uh, off-brand Apple pencil tip that like is black, and I'm like, oh, this is, cool. is cool. Black tip, black tip on a Apple pencil, and maybe that's like, maybe that's like reacting weird or something. I don't know. It's just a whole like me being old man <laughs> yelling at cloud as I'm trying to work things yeah, on that, an iPad. That's a whole lifestyle. I know what you're talking about. Do you have like yeah. a paper-like protector? I do. That, that yeah, changed it for me. Um, I also yeah. was accidentally sent a lifetime supply of Apple pencil nibs. I ordered oh, one and they sent me like 200 boxes of these pencil nibs. And my husband came home and he was like, yeah. did you buy all of the, cause they're expensive. Yeah. They're, 20 they're bucks way too for expensive. Four pack. And he was like, did you buy all those? And I was like, they made a mistake. They made the worst mistake in the whole world. <laughs> I was so happy. <laughs> But now you can like generously give like pencil tips to friends or like sell them at a markup on eBay. I would or give something. them away before I sold them. I'm notoriously <laughs> bad at sending stuff in the mail. <laughs> now that yeah. I live up state, that would have to be the way to do it. That's why, like, when I like set up an online store, I was just like, I am just gonna have a printful like connection to my online store because. It basically just automates like prints and t-shirts and all that. Cool. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't want to go to the post <laughs> office anymore. Even though every podcast is like, you know, has an ad for stamps.com or something. And, you know, you know, you know go to the post office again. Well, I literally don't even need a stamp. They just do it all for I me. Had, <laughs> all right. When I, I did like posters last year that ended catastrophically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a UPS guy come for a pickup and just be like, so you have 47 packages for me to pick up? And I was just like, no, I took them to the store earlier. I was too anxious. And he was like, oh, thank God. I've been avoiding your house for days. I was like, fuck. I was just like, really? Uh, yeah. That's how much I like don't want to go to the post office. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just, that's the way it is. Anyway, um, you also got married uh, last year? Or year before, before, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, how How's the transition to uh, married life been? Is it just basically yeah. more of the same? or? Yeah, it's fun. I like fun. it. Uh, oh, we got, um, I have insurance. I, uh, mm-hmm. I get a tax break. And I also get to live mm-hmm. with my best friend. And. Yeah, yeah, we're like getting older, and it feels really good. I don't know. I love, I love, uh, long term this long term relationship. It's been really. Fun. 
<laughs> yeah, I I think like really uh my 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 herniated spine thing yeah. was like a big like okay we should probably get married because mm. these surgeries are gonna cost us hundreds of thousands of dollars if mm. um you know there's there, right. there, there's no tooth fairy for discs in your nope. <laughs> yeah and it's not like you could just hop up to canada and, and have surgery done either because that's like a whole thing that would suck oh my god yeah. like months to get seen there sometimes like i'm going off of what happened to my like family like it takes forever to see a specialist mm-hmm. um i heard that it's like twofold in canada it's like one depends on the province that you're in mm-hmm. uh like some provinces like you know we can see, be seen pretty like soon and others it takes time uh and the other thing too that's going on in canada i'm really into like canadian news i follow canadian news uh mostly just because i'm like what if i have to leave america <laughs> where it's the first country i'm going to canada because i have a bunch of friends up there i can just yeah i can exist uh, and I, I heard that they're having a shortage of specialists and nurses and doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, and that now like the conservative government in like Ontario d- is thinking, oh, let's just put more public funds into private, like, you know, having it so that people can have private practices, but all they're doing is incentivizing doctors and stuff to go private. And that's just bad overall for the Canadian people. Yep. I don't know. It's a whole, it's a whole nightmare. I don't know. Yeah, it's it always comes back to the greed of man. <laughs> yeah, I, I I know that's like really depressing, uh, shocker. Uh, but like, I at the end of the day, some days I'm just like, I just can't get over how little some people will care about other people. Mm-hmm. And like, do they want us to die? You know, right cheaper for us to die than for, to have socialized health care no it's it's cheaper for them it's it makes more money for them to keep us sick so that we're on dialysis or you know yeah. whatever and you know just keeping the meter running until we die yeah that you're right but which is more more of a bleak <laughs> like you know outlook on on uh, the, the state of affairs you know, I've been dealing with like chronic pain and chronic illness for like about five years now, and mm-hmm. uh, it is amazing how you can just live through it. Mm-hmm. Courtney Love was right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's also amazing, like how you can just step back and be like, "The world sucks, people suck, but I'm just gonna keep going." Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like sometimes just divorcing your brain from that really works. <laughs> mm. um, and, and also have supportive people around too really helps. Yes, absolutely. Having, having that like, gosh, uh, kind of like an umbrella, you know, just shielding you from everything. Sometimes mm-hmm. I take advantage of the fact that I have like a wonderful family and like a great husband and two cats that uh, are like way too into him. It's like they mm-hmm. love him. They love him so much. And they're like with me, they're like, fine. Uh, <laughs> but like it brings me hope that like 
you know, they're so kind that maybe other people can be too. And like, yeah, I'm disproven a lot, but you know, I'll go to sleep at the end of the day. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, and like eventually people will figure out that they suck. <laughs> That's the hope though. Right. Yeah. And that they, they, um, they see the like, you know, ghost of past, present and future and, you know, change their ways. <laughs> I just watched the first season of I Think You Should Leave again last night. So I just, mm-hmm. have, have you seen it? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. Well, then this will make zero sense for you. But... <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> oh, say it anyway. So someone, someone has probably. Oh, uh, gosh. It's the, this, the future Scrooge thing where like, uh, God, I can't, it makes no sense. Like, <laughs> Oh my god! All right. Well, look, I'm gonna look it up later. I'm gonna watch it, and I'm gonna be. I'm gonna like message you later and be like, "Yo, <laughs> no, I get it. Like, you're gonna love it. It's really insane." Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, I'm not obsessed with it, but I'm really into it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, so what are some other things that you're obsessed with right now? Um, I'm really into the band Proto Martyr. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just got Kelly Deal to be a touring member of of like their whole their whole crew, and I think that's really cool. <laughs> uh, people who don't listen to them, who is this uh, Kelly Deal? Kelly Deal is Kim Deal's sister. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they're twins, right? I don't know. They look, they look like twins. Um, and that just like, if you thought it was cool, debunked. It's just like totally not. Um, but so like they were in the, like Kim deal is in the breeders. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Kelly and Kim, uh, I know Kim deal is in the pixies. They're both in the breeders mm-hmm. and they both rule. But Kelly deal is now in proto martyr. Which is even better. Nice. No, not really. I really yeah. try. I, it, it works in my head, but in, like, when I say it, it's like nonsense. But I love, I'm really obsessed with um, the music industry and like bands and stuff. I, I like, I love being up to date on like who's angry at who. Mm-hmm. Um, like <laughs> yesterday, I, I, I'm always on Twitter. That's, that's, a, that's an obsession. That's a problem. Yeah, I mean, we're both, uh, you know, uh, two online. That is okay. that is a problem. It is a problem, but it's also like fun. <laughs> yeah. And that that that's it's addictive. That that's uh, yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. When I can say something that other people feel, mm-hmm. it might be helpful. Right. Um, I think that um, I get a lot of messages from people that are like asking me, how, how do I pr- charge for this? What do I, what do I do? And I'm like, mm-hmm. and I'm exp- I'll explain it to them, of course, you know, because I'm like, you know, you are, you, you're valuable. You deserve X amount of money for this. Mm-hmm. And like, if, if you really want to do it, say you're flexible, but like know your worth and like, yep. 
and hope that someone else does too. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I, I will talk about like things that go on with, with my job, which is, you know, mostly editorial illustration and advertising. And, um, cause sometimes we get like abused a little bit as workers where it's like, um, they'll be like, Oh yeah, you can get it to me on Monday. And you're like, and I, am I not a person? Do I not get a weekend? And the answer is no. Yeah. And, and sometimes it really does make you feel like a psychopath because you're like, you know, um, <laughs> you're putting on lipstick and writing on a list of people mm-hmm. you murder. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like that little Adam Sandler uh, <laughs> little thing there. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, whenever I get a Monday deadline, I'm like, Monday morning or Monday afternoon? Yeah. like I'll I'm t- like, I'll like start it, the illustration on Friday. And, you know, if I really want to like work on it on Sunday, I'll, I'll work on it Sunday night a little bit. And then, um, you know, uh, finish it up Monday morning or something. But I, I hate Monday deadlines. They're the worst. And I'm also like, I get really sad when they're like, yeah, we'll give you the weekend. And I'm like, give me my, God, <laughs> this is horrible. Uh, but like, I'll still do them. Like, mm-hmm. I love working. I just, just wish that like everyone felt like similarly that we could talk about it. Mm-hmm. That we could talk about how like certain things aren't okay. And uh, I guess that's a part of being terminally online. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I've never been scared to talk about what I'm thinking. Uh, my parents hate it. Because <laughs> uh, they'd be like, you can't say that stuff. <laughs> I'm like, uh, now, I'm, now I'm in my 30s and they can't really get mad because I'm not saying anything rude or mean. I'm just like, I'm upset that Janet left Slater Kenny. You know, like just... <laughs> <laughs> And I have people coming into my DMs going, no, they're so much better now. And I'm like, no, they're not. Yeah. Um, just go on hiatus, just like any other band. Come on. <laughs> oh, my God. Just like. And do- then we always just like, like, someday they'll come back. <sighs> no, Janet's in a band called Quasi now, and they're like amazing. Oh, okay. Um, but like, uh, my favorite thing to do is work for bands. Um, and. I think I have album art coming out in March that hasn't been announced yet that I'm really excited about. Uh, I got to do uh, the illustrations for Water From Your Eyes. Um, mm-hmm. They just signed to Matador and I did like this like country western like um, movie poster inspired full piece of them doing things in a mall. <laughs> nice. And it was like really labor intensive and I'm extremely proud of how it turned out um, because they were like such good collaborators and also they provided reference. (laughs) If like, if you want that like super detailed Western thing, you got to give me reference of you looking super cool. You can't just look kind of lame or just like I'm out of Chili's. No, you have to look really, really cool. (laughs) 
A hundred percent. Um, why? Oh man, what, what, who's the fa- who's uh the band that you know? Is, is it that album uh, or like what was the album that was like your favorite or your like favorite band to work with? Really, in general. Oh my gosh, uh, Pavement was the coolest band I've ever worked with. That was that was insane. Um, mm-hmm. I got a DM from Bob Nastanovich that said, "Nicole, I have a plan." And I and so what I had was a panic attack. I was just like. <laughs> Bob Nastanovich is texting me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And my husband was like, no, that's that's insane. That's the weirdest thing. How is this happening to you? And I'm like, I don't know. It's pavement. Mm-hmm. Um, I love working with Pyle. Um, I really, really enjoyed working with Patrick and Titus Andronicus. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, Remember Sports was probably one of my favorite bands to work with too because they were like so open to different ideas and doing the glitchy panel thing. But yeah, um, uh, the the two two projects I worked on um, that I really enjoyed with bands because I've worked with a ton. That's the one connection that we have a lot is we've both worked on a lot of stuff with the bands and uh, we both do editorial and both both do like advertising and stuff like that. Um, but I got to work with really early on, uh, this pop punk band out of Philadelphia called the wonder years. Holy shit. Yeah. I got to work on a split album that they did with this, uh, UK based band. I forget who, who it was. Um, but that was like really cool. Cause I was like a senior in at Philly <laughs> and, and, and you are when I got the gig and I was just like, all right, cool. And so I did that. I did like a bunch of apparel for them uh, for years. And then they just started, I think they just decided like the illustrator that they were going to go with for a while was James Heimer, who is this other illustrator out of Philly who really like defined that band look of like the pigeon, the pigeon logo that they've used. It's like a a James Heimer design. Uh, um, The first, if you have the original artwork for the wonder years, the upsides, it's like a photograph of a dude looking awkward with a cardboard sign that says the upside. The hand lettering on that record of that original record is me. <laughs> That's me. That's the album that they like really blew up on. And then they had James Heimer do a redo of that entire uh, cover. So now I'm basically, um, when I have a little bit of money in the next month or two, I'm probably going to try to buy both the James Heimer version and also my original cover. So I can be like, I did this <laughs> to photograph it, put it on- online and be like, I know it's been like over a decade, but I'm really proud of this little hand lettering. And, you know, at first when they asked me to do uh, the hand lettering, they're like, how much do you want for it? And I didn't know what it was for. I thought they were just going to use it like whatever. And I'm like, Oh, you don't have to pay me any money. That was the dumbest thing I ever said. <laughs> I they gave it I gave it to Soupy and the dudes for free and you know here we are now and I'm just like kid, kicking myself being like I'm on the first like version of this cover. Uh and then uh the other thing I did I've done a lot of stuff for John Allison Weiss uh who if anyone remembers early days of Tumblr whenever you had like that preview of like what like um like a like a Tumblr like page would look like you can also have like music on the page john allison weiss's music was like the default like preview music 
And their music really uh, popped off as they were like the default um, before they transitioned, uh, like lesbian, uh, you know, queer music, uh, you know, out there. And, uh, but now, uh, been then like a couple of years, uh, into my, uh, friendship and, uh, with, uh, John Allison, uh, they asked me to do a poster, uh, that was going to be screen printed for a tour with them and Matt Pryor of the, the get up kids. I got that gig. I think it was, um, uh, Christmas Eve. And I remember just being like, what the fuck? This is amazing. I'm so happy right now. I'm doing something for John Allison and Matt Pryor. Like, this is so cool. Uh, that was like probably the two times where I've gotten like gigs from bands. And I'm just like, this is so cool. You and I have both worked for Adult Mom. Yes. Yeah. They're really great, too. Um, they just let me like you know, submit sketches and do whatever I wanted. That was great. You also did a, you did a re, you redrew the cover yeah. of uh, the one album. That's, that's what they wanted. And, uh, a lot of fun. Cause it was all like leaves. <laughs> just all the detail. It was so much detail. And I was just like, yes, thank you. Um, it was very soothing. Mm-hmm. It was like listening to ocean sounds. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> but um are are there any bands that you really want to work for i'm i'm doing a poster for proto martyr nice i got that email on an airplane and i felt like i was gonna vibrate out into the sky (laughs) so excited and i like i couldn't tell anyone i still you're one of the first people i've told actually oh cool um but like i had no cell service so i couldn't text mike my my husband Mm -hmm. um so I screen capped the email and DM'd him on Twitter. <laughs> mm. And he was just like, why are you DMing me on Twitter? What is this? I don't have, I can't see what you sent me. And I was just like, ah, I'm cursed. I'm cursed. I want to talk about this. Yeah. Um, There's, I, you know, um, there are bands that I really want to work for. Like, um, like literally any band that decides to get back together. That's like a, like a second wave like emo band yeah. i definitely want to like do something with them like death no they're like considered third wave i'm talking like knapsack um, oh yes uh, like you know um i've seen them. i, I, I want to do some something for american football that'd be really cool or even mike's uh solo project owen that'd be really cool too i have not seen knapsack i've seen snapcase i'm sorry snapcase is really cool yeah yeah really- um, I, you know, I know that they don't, they rarely tour and they rarely do shows and they haven't put out a record in like over a decade, but I'd love to do something for lifetime. Like, yeah, you got to manifest that shit. Yeah. Like that. Or if kid dynamite, uh, ever, uh, decided to tour again, I would love to see them again and do something for them. You should, uh, obsessively tweet at them. It seems to work. <laughs> You know, I've done that. Uh, so there was a band uh, that I, you know, like a fourth wave evil band that I was really into. And I like just DM them. I'm just like, why not? And uh, made, a, made up a contract and everything. And they asked me to do like the weirdest freaking drawing ever. And 
and they just weren't into it and they killed the job. Uh, what they had me do was they were like, we want you to draw a father and son making out. And I'm like, this is the stupidest job ever. Like, why? That's not cool. It was like, so I did it. And I sent in like several revisions and I'm like, uh, I'm, this is so uncomfortable and weird. That's one of those things where I'd be like, is this a prank? Yeah, I'll tell you off mic who that is. Now, <laughs> uh, gosh, you know, I would. I think I know they they're not really touring or anything, but Devo. Oh yeah, that would be a, a dream. Um, uh, I've I've worked for a lot of my heroes though, so I, 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 I honestly have to say, if you if if you're in a band, I just want to do your posters. Mm-hmm. I I love I love doing them. Um, yeah, maybe twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four is the year that I get back into doing artwork for bands. Yeah. I haven't I haven't I haven't really devoted time promoting to or like really actively trying to do it. Like I've gotten some one offs here and there, but maybe this is the time to just you know Much have fun and do that. Come back, come back, <laughs> come back. Come back. <laughs> <laughs> And and also, like, you you watch TV shows while you're uh, working. uh, You know, tell me about Ghost Adventures. Love those dudes. Yeah. Love the Ghost Boys. They're they're my boys. I I watch them whenever I work, and I just put on their, like, channel on Discovery Plus. Mm -hmm. And I just, like, I'm, like, drawing, and they're like, someone died here. And I'm like, how? (laughs) (laughs) Why? house and they're like i'm so cold and i was like me too (laughs) talking to my tv like a crazy person i like i really really enjoy their show i I love ghost adventures i i like it it's weird they did a quarantine special where they were like i guess we're going to investigate my museum because we're quarantined (laughs) it's so haunted i'm like yeah hell yeah it's haunted (laughs) Tell me about it. Oh, in the seventies, there's a satanic ritual in the basement. Cool. Say more. Do a interview <laughs> with this old woman. <laughs> it's like, it's the best show in the world. Uh, I also watch a lot of cooking shows, and I can't. Cook. Oh. Really? Yeah, I can't cook. I'm really bad at it. I like. Yeah, my my husband cooks. <laughs> I feel like I'm moderate at it. Like I'm not the best, but I'm not the worst. And I feel like I. I have like a really obsession of making things a really specific way. Um, yeah. Like also I have this weird thing with my partner where like I can be their sous chef, but if I'm cooking, no one else is cooking. No one else is doing anything in the kitchen. I got to like have full control of what I'm doing. My, my husband will like stand in the kitchen and I'll be like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just watching you. And I'm like, I'm making Mac and cheese. It's secret. And he's just like, (laughs) It's like it's a process. Yeah. Oh man. What what are some of uh, uh, your favorite uh, cooking shows? One one that I like a lot is uh, when Gordon Ramsay basically goes to different countries and different like cities or whatever to learn about the culture of like that place, and he's basically just like really out of his element and just like trying to be like very chill about everything, and you know. 
all, like screwing up or sometimes like making something better than the chef that like brought them there to that place. I, I, all right. I'm like in the middle of kitchen nightmares. Oh, okay. And like, it's so formulaic. I'm just like, yes, Gordon. Yes. Look through their fridge. What's in the <laughs> fridge? <laughs> kitchen nightmares is the one where he goes to help, uh, uh, kitchens like turn around and become a better business or. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And he's actually pretty nice about it, but I know that's his job. But I, I was, we were watching it last night. And I, I turned to Mike and I was like, you know, he's a really good man. And he was like, we need to watch something else. We need to turn the TV onto a different channel. And I was like, okay. Sometimes his viral, those, he has like viral clips that sometimes go on like Instagram. I haven't really seen much. I, I have seen him on TikTok a little bit where he has his own TikTok where he's just like, oh, bollocks like why are you doing that with your cooking i don't get it you're ruining the mate or whatever but but what happens on instagram is like those like little segments of that episode like where he found out that the restaurant owner was taking their tips and not properly giving it to them and he like cursed out like the owners like you need to give them their money he's like oh they don't what blah, 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 blah. he's like no they earn that that this is not this is not a thing. Dude, you need to watch that episode. It's like it's a two-parter. It's a cliffhanger season ending. Oh. It is insane. Uh so <laughs> Okay. Amy's banking company, I think, or like baking. Uh but she's crazy. Like hmm. I, I I am very open about mental health and all this stuff. I'm really like, hey, like no one's mm -hmm. crazy. You just you know you need to like just work on you. No. She is a psychopath. Her right. eyes get really big and she screams at customers. And it's weird. Who would, you, <laughs> would you ever scream at a client? No. Yeah. No. Never. Uh-uh. Just I, I, I get like so nervous whenever like the waiter or wait waitress like screws up and I'm like, nope, I'm just accepting it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I Yeah, and, and my and my partner's like, no, send it back. I'm like, nah, I don't wanna ruin their day. It's fine. I I watched my uncle order a burger and get a chicken sandwich and not say a word. It's genetic. I it just it's a normal thing to just be like fine. He's like it's pretty spicy. I don't like that. I'm like okay. Fine, I get it. <laughs> um so like yeah, uh, sending stuff back at a restaurant makes me like nervous. I would never do it. Yeah, I have like too many friends that have or um you know, still do work in the service industry. And I'm just like, ah, like I, I understand like their plight and you know, everything. So I always try to like give 25% whenever I tip yeah. and, or more if I have it and uh, just kind of go from there. I don't know. Uh, but Nicole, I can talk to you for like many hours, but I think we should end the episode okay. here. I'm uh, Nicole. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Nicole, thank you for so much for being here with me. Oh, thank you for having me. I had so much fun because uh, I, I was watching Ghost Adventures, but this was actually yeah. like a lot of fun and like more fun than Ghost Adventures. Uh, and that's high praise. Yeah. Wow. That's good. <laughs> <laughs>